welcome to episode 34 of the Paul Norton podcast. Now, today's episode, I'm joined by another TED speaker and absolutely blown away again by having the opportunity to talk to someone who has been able to experience TED Talks. Now, today's guest is with Lisa McFarland and you can find her on Instagram as Relationship Coaching NI. Now, basically, Lisa is a relationship expert and also a life coach. And this is something that I really wanted to do for a long, long time, is have someone on with this kind of experience. Because remember, fitness is not just about food and training, it's about your whole life. And if I can help someone not just lose weight or lose fat, not just get stronger, not just have a better relationship with food, but have a better relationship with their partners, with themselves. That's my old, that, that's my aim with these podcasts, is just to help you understand your life just 1% better. I really hope you enjoy this podcast. And as always, if this has helped you in some shape or form, please share it on your stories, tag me, or just pass it on to your friends because, you know, by me helping you, you can then help someone else. Hope you enjoy. I guess yeah first of all it's um so good to have you on here it's it's, it's not often I get to speak to someone like with your um expertise so I guess rather than me explain who you are maybe great if you could explain who you are and what you do <laughs> my name is Lisa McFarland I am a life coach but I choose to specialize in relationships so uh, my husband and I have been together now I'm really bad with the dates 31 years and um, we have three children. Um, and so people always say, who are you? I'm like, well, I'm a wife and a mom and all those things. But my career is that I um, specialize in relationships. And I, about six years ago, um, my husband and I went to a coach because we had a situation that came up for us that we just didn't have any tools to deal with. And there was so much shame and guilt for us around going to talk to somebody. Um, we had a good marriage. We had a great marriage. Um, and the shame and guilt of going to talk to somebody was unbelievable. So we kept it a secret. We didn't tell anybody. And we went to speak to her and she told us lots of things. She told us about love languages, about attachment styles. She talked to us about her sex life. She talked to us about her limiting beliefs. She And I was hook, line and sinker. I was just, why does everyone not know this thing? Why does everyone not know? Why does everyone not know? Um, so I went and educated myself. I did a life coaching course and then I read and listened and did every podcast, every book there was to do. And then started to run little classes in my local area for women and to help them with their confidence, help them manage conflict. And oh, there was another one, there was three C's. Um, conflict, communication and confidence. So I started running those in my local area and then 2020 came. So that was all lockdown and I thought, right, well, this, I'm not going to let this go. People need to know. And at that stage, my Instagram was 500 people. 
So at the start of lockdown, um, I thought, right, I'm going to get on every day and do a live every single day um, while we're in lockdown. And I don't know how it was with you guys, but they told us here it would be two weeks. So I thought two weeks, I, I can, I have two weeks worth of content. I'll do two weeks. Um, yeah, let's just say I'm still there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still on Instagram doing lives all the time. But I did one every single day for 28 days. Jeez. And then I started to take, yeah, yeah, then I started to take the weekends off. Um, and then I did, I did in total 57 or something in a row. And by that stage, it really got legs. Um, Sinead Haig, I'm not sure if you know Sinead. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, she started shouting me out, which was just so lovely of her. Another couple of influencers here started shouting me out, up, shouting me out. And then I started just to ask people to come on the lives with me. So um, that was great fun. And and then my whole business has just grown out of that, really out of that. Um, and the numbers just kept going up and up and up. And here I am now with a very successful coaching business and I talk to people I'm a couples coach I talk to couples people ask me about coming one one, I did do one-to-one coaching at the start but I love to coach couples that's what I love to do so and ideally I love to coach couples who are in love and they've just maybe had a wee glitch or something ideally I'd love every couple to come for three coaching sessions at the start of their relationship my whole thing is to challenge people what else do you do in life without any education you get instruction manuals for everything. I'm sure you've got instruction manuals for the podcast equipment. But what's more important? Our relationships, our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with others. So much more important than lots of these other things. And we get no education on how to do it. And it's our job to educate ourselves. Yes, that's a good point. And like, it's probably like my whole, what I do is like my main thing is females and like understand the female body and like menstrual cycle and all that stuff. And again, there's not enough, just in general, like everything about our lives, there's not enough education. There's education on like, like for me, like personally, there's so much studies done on men, 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 but there's not enough studies done on females and just the stuff that matter, like the cycle and even like relationships. Like when we were growing up in school, it was all about, you know, history and stuff and it's important but there was there was no like life skills about how to do this or breakups and and that kind of stuff and i'm not sure what the what like the rates are but i'm sure like there's a lot of like anxiety and depression in younger kids like we're going through that like you know relationships and stuff because i've been through when i was younger like you know your first kiss and your first love and but there's you know you go to a teacher and they just kind of nearly laugh at you absolutely about the school stuff um but the thing with the school is as well, we can't expect teachers to do this. We no. need the education system to bring in people like you, like me, it's not actually my thing, but we need people to, we need the money from the government to bring people in. We can't ask a geography teacher to teach people life skills. Yes. Okay. So and teachers get annoyed at me sometimes because I'm like, we need to learn this in school. But most of us didn't get it in school. So it's our job now to educate ourselves. It's our job now to educate ourselves. And we do it again. We do that in all in all walks of life. We educate ourselves on things that are important to us, you know? So sorry, your question. Yeah, so I so I was just saying, so with your job, what's the biggest thing that you help couples with? And even general people when it comes to relationships, what's the biggest thing you help people improve or do differently? Probably prioritizing their actual relationship. When you get together, it's all a big deal and you make date nights and you do this and you do that. A very good book for this is The Honeymoon Effect. 
Um, so it's all about living really consciously at the start of your relationship. And then about 18 months in, the whole subconscious mind takes over. The subconscious mind takes over. And then you just start repeating things that you saw from your family of origin. Argument styles, um, conflict, communication. And it's about just trying to stay really conscious and in the relationship and really showing up in that relationship as your best self. And then also people let their sex life slip so they don't invest time and energy into keeping their intimacy alive. And I truly believe that if you can keep your intimacy alive and keep that sex going and making that time to show up for each other, it's a really big deal. You need to keep that alive. Probably sex drive is so important for, for me and my clients. I actually had a girl, uh, one of my clients today, I put up in my stories that she's been with me for the last like, you know, eight weeks, but you know, she's finally seen her sex drive like improve. So I guess what is, what is sex drive? Can you explain to us like what sex drive is like, and, and you, what, what's, what's a good sex drive to you? A good sex drive is what works for the couple. It works for the couple. So there can be people who have sex every day. There are people who have sex once a month. It's about that connection and that intimacy. And the problem is when we stop having sex, um, it's really bad. It's really difficult to start again. It's, it's oh, there's one other week pass. So there's another week pass. There's another week pass. Um, there's a great girl uh, in America called Sex with Emily. And um, she says that sex begets sex. So if you put effort into it if you have sex you're going to want more sex but if it just it's just something that shrivels up and dies in the corner it's very very difficult to reboot it again but it's about making really conscious effort for okay it's been a few days and sometimes i tell people all the time it doesn't have to be sex whatever your description of penetrative sex is it can be sleeping naked it can be kissing couples do not kiss enough every single day of your life you should kiss your person for at least six seconds. Kiss your person. Hug your person every single day. Because once that stops happening and those little things, and it's chemicals as well. When you kiss someone, your body releases chemicals that make that person more attractive to you. And um, you have sex with somebody, that tea bag that they leave in the sink isn't so annoying. Because you've got dopamine. And all the good chemicals that come from having sex. So oh, true. Why do you reckon that? Why do you think that? Like, what happens to couples that they, you know, they end up not doing that? What's the biggest thing that separates couples? Um, now, I sometimes I say having children, but it's not always. I think it's just people get complacent. They don't put the effort in. Um, they've been with each other a long time. And you have to be a little bit more invent inventive. And your sex drive does slow down. You know, you're not feeling that real you know, oh, no, I really fancy him. And, oh, you know, you're not feeling all that all the time, but it should move to a different level. It should move to more intimacy and more connection. And sometimes people stall at the, okay, we've lost that sort of initial lust and they stall and they don't move into connection, intimacy, love, trying new things, experimenting, talking about their sex life. So many people don't talk about their sex life because they are, so racked with shame and guilt either about their own body or their automatic negative thoughts that kept them in shame and guilt and they don't talk to their person about sex yeah that's true the and would you say that like the likes of social media has like played like just say the last 20 years or 10 years do you reckon like social media and what you see online is has kind of had a part in that 
Well, now, Paul, here's the problem. I have quite a big following on social media, but I don't really do anything about social media about anybody else. Yes. Um, so <laughs> um, I have teenagers. I have a 19, 18 and 13 year old. And the difference that I have seen with my 13 year old growing up through social media and my big girls growing up, even in the last five years, it's just, it's everywhere. It's everything. It's TikTok. It's all the, it's all the things um, where my, even that five years for my girls. Um, I think probably the big piece that's missing is sex is really only for young people is what the media says. Yes. Sex is really only for 20 year olds, you know, and that's just bullshit. Um, it's ridiculous. And your sex life should continue your whole relationship. Um, Esther Perel talks about erotic intelligence. So erotic intelligence, it's about finding your person attractive and working with that and talking about it. And if you can do that, it's really going to help really long-term relationship, really long-term relationship. Yeah. A lot of stuff that like I would have come, I've worked with a lot of females and it was a lot of stuff I've come through is like a lot of females might come to me and, you know, the reason they'd come to me be like you know their partners don't find them attractive because you know they're overweight and all this kind of stuff and to, to me that it's a horrible thing to tell someone but it's it's a horrible thing to even like you know think about it what why do you reckon like from your experience have you like had that before with people's um yes and i think there should be a memo put out to all men just to never comment on women's weight that's just mm. that's just could all could all men just not do that that would be awesome that would be awesome because there's nothing going to make someone more upset and likely to jump into the biscuit tin if you you say that um there's other ways that we can go about it and why have they put on weight why has this person put on weight what was the relationship like before they put on weight can we get into that can we push into that where was the self-esteem where was the issues before this weekend because that's that, that's a thing that's a thing and um, so let's push into that a wee bit where were they not fulfilled in their life and their relationship before the weekend and you might find it was their relationship that wasn't fulfilling so the weekend is a symptom of their partner and them not having a good relationship possibly that's pretty yes it's so true isn't it like it's it's but it's such a it's such a regular thing like it's 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 hard like and i suppose for me like i work with a lot of females and i guess for me like it's it's not like that to say a guy could be overweight but there's not much said to him but then when a female goes away in relationship that it's, it's it's all kind of put on the it's all put on the female rather than the male do you think mm -hmm. that's it would you have noticed that too that a lot of like not name or blame, but like, do you find that some males or might put blame on females or how do you? No, 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 I have not found that. Not, not, not in my, not in my coaching. Um, I'd say both couples tend to blame each other. And mm. um, when I'm coaching people, both couples say, if he would just, if she would just, if he would just, if he would just, and lots of times we have to look more inwardly um, and lots of couples sort of come to coaching for me to change them, you know, not for me to change the partner. I'm like, yeah, that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. We all have a role to play in this. Um, and I know when, I, when my husband and I went to coaching, I took him for her to fix him. And she was like, yeah, no, no, that's not how it works. You know, there's work that you have to do here as well. You know, so personal development, personal development, your own personal growth journey Two people on their own growth journey 
becoming whole, dealing with their woundedness, and then building a relationship. That's what we want. Two individuals, whole people, building a beautiful relationship. Yeah, I don't know if I've read it. There's a book by a girl called Byron Katie, What Loving Is. Um, mm-hmm. really, and same with like Dr. John Martini, like two great people on self-development. And I've learned a lot from them. But I think yeah, that's, that's the, I would have been in this probably mindset when I was a bit younger too, is that, you know, trying to change someone. And, and I, I'm guilty of it as well back when I was younger. But it's only now that I've kind of got older and where I am now that, you know, we have to look after ourselves. And the thing that I've learned, even for me, with my patterns is that, you know, I've learned that I can't, you know, I can't support someone 100%. You have to, there has to be a balance of support and challenge. And that's what I've learned through all my development is that if I rely on my partner to support me or give me praise, I'm never going to go forward. And it's probably that I'm really big with my ladies is that trying to get them to have their own journey and their own self-worth and like do things for them and not rely on their partners or their friends to, you know, give them that boost that they need. You have to fill your own cup. You have yes. to fill your own cup and then serve from a place of fullness. Can't serve from an empty cup. Um, I'd say probably, um, I don't know, this is statistically true. Women would be people pleasers more generally. Generally, women would be people pleasers. Um, and the disease to please is killing us, absolutely killing us, absolutely killing us. We have to prioritize ourselves. We have to prioritize ourselves. We have to know that we are so important. And then we bring that greatness to someone else. We do not need someone else to complete us. We are a whole person ourselves. And we bring that greatness to the other person. I think for, yeah, for even for me, like once you can, once you can realize that, you know, you are your own person, you don't need anyone that just makes you, it just, it's like a light bulb moment, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and all my couples, I tell them to do their love language test. You can do this, Paul. Um, so you go online. It's a free test. Um, you go online. It's called Free 5 Love Language Test. You do your love language test. And the idea is then your partner does their love language test. And you can have your clients do this. And then you speak to your person in their love language, not in your love language. So there's five love languages. Do you, do you know this? No. So time, acts of service, Touch, gifts, words of affirmation. So there's five love languages. So it'll send you an email. And it's really easy to get out of the emails. Don't panic. It's not one of these ones that's going to email you every day of the week. And they'll give you your primary love language. So my primary love language is time. And my partner's primary love language is time. So that works really well for us. Okay. His, his secondary is acts of service. My secondary is words of affirmation. So what we tend to do is we tend to show love the way we want to receive love. So the time thing is perfect. We love to spend time together. But then I say things like this to him. You look really lovely. I love that shirt. And he likes it. Sure, who doesn't like that? Everybody likes that. But it's not really how he feels loved. He feels loved if he's out cutting the grass and I take him a cup of coffee. Mm. Acts of service. He feels loved whenever I say, I have the dinner already. When you come from work, he feels love. Acts of service is how he feels love. So then, but I don't feel loved. Like he does jobs all around the house. That's not how I feel loved. I feel loved by words of affirmation. 
So it's about speaking to your person in their love language. Guys love this tool because I actually make life easier for them. Because they're maybe running around doing all the jobs and she doesn't care. All she wants is his time. So he's, the guys are like, you're going, to make, you're going to give me another job today? I'm like, no, I'm going to make your life easier. <gasps> really? I don't believe it. <laughs> the next thing about love languages is speak to yourself in your love language. So my love language is time. I need to have time for me. My love language is words of affirmation. So I need to keep my thoughts under control and make sure I'm speaking positive affirmations to myself. Because we love and accept ourselves first, and then we bring that to other people. Mm. Do not love and accept yourself. Why are you looking for someone else to do it? And I guess, I guess even leading off that then, like with self-worth thing, I suppose self-worth comes into the, how does one have more self-worth for themselves, like to, to you know, be themselves and to take themselves on their own journey? Mm-hmm. You got to dig into what your core values are and what you were taught, what you were, you know, your inner child work is really, really important. And what you, um, you know, your core beliefs, you know, if you were told things like, you know, for, for example, my, one of my core beliefs was, oh, Lisa, now you've done it. Or, you know, that's enough from you, Lisa. Time to get back in your box or, you know, let the grown ups sort it out now, Lisa. That's enough from you. Um, you talk too much, Lisa. Uh, you know, you didn't do very well at school, Lisa. So you're really never going to make anything of yourself. You've got to really push into these automatic negative thoughts. Um, and do the do the inner child work do the inner child work so good and i suppose so i suppose the big question is like how let's say you just meet someone at the nightclub or the, whatever out on the dance floor what is how would you like tell their story from like start to, to you know to be to, to be the perfect couple or to make it work um well i always just tell people just be absolutely 100 percent yourself hundred percent swing for the fences be absolutely yourself and um, because I talk to couples all the time and they're like well she didn't used to do that and I'm like it's not the guy's fault if he fell in love with some version of you that wasn't actually the real you if you showed up as some random avatar of yourself can't blame someone else for then not actually liking who you are when you show up you're hundred percent yourself and not everybody is going to like you. So you show up 100%. Joe Bloggs doesn't like you. Awesome. That's one ticked off the box. That's not my person. Show up for the next guy or the next girl. 100% yourself. And you'll find someone who really gets you. That the annoying, that thing that was so annoying to X, Y, and Z is actually really fun and hilarious. And the best thing about you to Mr. W. Yeah. Being, being yourself is, it's true, isn't it? Like everyone probably tries to be a different, like, you know, I suppose everyone's trying to always be something different. Is I mean, they're probably the same as, you know, just you and Dave, someone you always try to be someone else and try, you're always trying to impress, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone else is taken. Just show up as you. Sometimes <laughs> relationships that come out of friendships are very good because they've seen who you really are. They've seen how you've shown up for your friends. They've seen how you've shown up. And relationships that come out of friendships, people don't recommend it. I think they're great. My husband and I were friends for a long time before we started putting it together. I think they're great because you've already got past that awkward first few months. person knows who you are. You've, you've no chance. You've no other, can't show up with someone else. You have to show up with yourself because you, they know you. 
Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you, you said before that, um, you know, when someone starts dating, that's really important that you recommend they get in three sessions with you. Why is that? Why is it so important to, from your, when you're first dating someone? Well, do you think that love language tool is important? I mean, that mm-hmm. could save people. Do you know what your attachment style is? Do you know what your conflict style is? Do you know how to do conflict well? Because we're going to have conflict in our relationships. Yeah, you find someone who loves the bones of you, but you're still going to have issues. There's still going to be things that you're not going to agree with and you need to figure out how to manage conflict. Finances. How, do you, how are you going to manage your finances? This is a huge thing. It's a huge thing. And um, What's your core values? Do you want kids? Where do you see your life in five years? And these things are easier to talk about with a coach. Easier to talk about. They're less confronting. They're easier to talk about. Um, And three sessions, sure, let's educate ourselves on how to have really healthy relationships before the wheels fall off, before the wheels fall off. So what is a healthy relationship? What what do you class? How do you, what is a healthy relationship? Um, For me, to be seen and to be heard are the absolute most beautiful things in a relationship. To be seen and to be heard because that's all we're crying out for really we just want to be seen we want our feelings to be heard we want to feel important and we want to feel loved and all those things and if we can just show up for each other see each other and hear each other sure that'd be great for sure would what um what's attached you, you mentioned like attachment styles and conflict can you like what can you run through what they are So attachment styles are secure, anxious, avoidant. So um, we all obviously want to be secure and that comes from a place of self-worth. So the more self-worth you have, the more secure you'll be. Um, But then what happens is if you feel threatened, if you feel if you get into conflict, you will um, divert to sort of 12-year-old self and your inner child comes out and starts playing the whole show. And that'll come out either as avoidant or anxious. Now, what we don't want is to be avoidant or anxious in our relationships ever. We don't want to be avoidant. We don't want to avoid conflict. And we don't want to be anxious about bringing conflict up. Okay, so we want to get really secure and know ourselves really, really well. So um, I'm a secure attachment style. But whenever I feel threatened or there's conflict, I, you know, we know what I mean when I feel threatened, but it's not yeah. like threatened. That's just, you know, you're, you, you retreat. Um that could be somebody in a shop or it could be when you're out driving, you uh, become, I become anxious. My partner becomes avoidant. So these don't match well. These don't match well. So once we know what they are, we can identify, okay, I'm becoming anxious right now. I need to push into this. I need to talk about it. He is, I'm becoming avoidant right now. So what I want to do is not talk about it. So we both have to grow ourselves, look at ourselves, our own growth, our own self-development and know these things about ourselves so we can show up the best for our person for ourselves and for our person well um, when we say conflict so what's the obviously because most most couples will have you know, arguments and tips like you know mm-hmm. i suppose you hear some sayings that it's like a healthy relationship is one that people have some arguments and then other people say that you know a bad relationship or unhealthy is when you don't argue so what what is the how do you look at like what how do you manage like tiffs and little arguments and arguments and in general? Yeah, we need to learn how to do these in a healthy way. We need to learn how to do these in a healthy way. Um, big thing couples do is they want their person to agree or have the same opinion. That's not a real thing. 
your person is their own person in their own right. So, for example, Nigel could say blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, huh, interesting. I didn't know you felt like that. That's okay. It doesn't have to be an argument. That's how he feels. Awesome. I'm not codependent. So it doesn't really matter to me. Unless it's something ridiculous, like, you know, he wants to sell the house from underneath us or, you know, the way we're going to parent our children. But little things like that, that's his opinion. And he can have it. And I can have mine. They don't have to match. And if you can get through those little things, the bigger things are easier. Probably, that's probably my biggest learning in relationships is probably that exact thing is like letting little things slip. And one thing that I learned from Byron Katie was like, you know, is is minding my own business. And in essence that if I go out my way to, you know, to to pass comments on something else or to argue, I'm leaving my business to go to someone else's business. And then you're just, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it sounds a bit far-fetched, but to me it was such a good way of seeing like relationships because if I can stay in like in my my business, you, have you read her book? No, I haven't. No. Oh, such yeah, it's, it's just it's kind of more like self development stuff too. And you know, if I can stay in my business, look after me, and and you know, support my partner, but also challenge her, that's healthy. Whereas if I go out my way and try fix them, I think that's the biggest thing is that mm-hmm. I used to personally try. You know, probably my dad was the same. Tried to fix my mom, and same as me, I try to always fix my parents and try to fix their problems but I've learned like I, I just need to a little bit of support and just stay in my own lane for example there you were saying that um a, a guy might tell his wife that she's overweight that can you you can stop that argument easy peasy because that's his opinion what's her opinion all she has to say is hmm that's interesting that's an interesting opinion I think I actually look great. But if you have that opinion, that's okay. But I think I look great. Or she might say, yeah, you know what? Lockdown, you know, this 10 pounds have put on for lockdown. Yeah, you know what? I personally know that I need to deal with that as well. Thanks for your input. Great, you know, maybe we could figure out a nicer way to say it. Um, but that's his opinion. It doesn't have to be your opinion. Is that, that's probably based on, you know, in, in that argument, would that be based on just say someone relying on someone else's, you know, like that, that's where it's from, isn't it? Yeah. And also maybe the person is feeling a little insecure that they have put on weight. So whenever we're speaking into anything like that, that there's going to be insecurities about, you need to be really loving, caring and kind, really loving, caring, kind, you know, really, really, really. And remember, this is your person. You want greatness for them. So how do you how are you going to make that happen? Yes, exactly. And I suppose one of the questions that came in actually what from one of my stories was somebody asked, like, how do you like keep you know romance alive when you have like four kids and you're trying to work mm. jobs and all that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I cut my coach a few couples who have wee ones. It's hard, it's hard work. And through lockdown, it was absolutely madness trying to do school and work from home it was absolute madness why anybody got through it i do not know um we have to prioritize we have to prioritize and we spend so much time with our children it is healthy for your children to say to them daddy and mommy need some alone time daddy and mommy need to have time for themselves for their relationship the best gift you can give your children is a healthy relationship 
So if you're working your butt off to get them the latest Xbox or the latest this, and your relationship is going down the toilet, have we think? Have we think? Well, how about but when you say prioritize, if you're, you know, how do you prioritize it? Like just date nights and that kind of stuff. Yep. So if your kids are really small and they're actually going to bed, have a nap in the afternoon. If you're if you're at home on maternity leave or you're with your kids all the time, have a nap in the afternoon so that you can stay up after your kids go to bed and be with your person and have a wee date night just in the house. You know, forget the housework and actually prioritize having a sleep so that you can be with your partner in the evening. Just a small Make thing, sh- isn't it? Just the tiniest wee things, tiniest wee things. Um, something happens in work at 5.30 and someone says, oh, can you please? No, sorry. I have a date night organized, so I need to go. Showing up for each other the way you did at the start of your relationship. Why do you think that? Why do you think that when, just say, you know, when you start dating someone, obviously is this, you, ha- you hear this online is that, you know, as soon as you get married, that's it. It's, it's, it all changes. Obviously, that shouldn't be the case, really, should it? No, absolutely not. What happens is we just start taking each other for granted. We just start taking each other for granted and we start taking the relationship for granted. A relationship is like a garden. It has to be looked after. It has to be watered. It has to be fertilized. It has to, the grass has to be cut. A relationship has to be tended to. It doesn't just happen. It takes work, doesn't it? It's like, it's like building a business. You have to, you have to have yeah. There's no bad days or good days, I guess. And it's for me, like for one thing I try to get my clients to understand is that, you know, bad days are good days. If you can get the bad days and turn them into good days, you're always going to keep on learning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you learn from the conflict and you learn from the discussions yeah. and you grow and you develop. See, it's when you, it's, it's when you stall out is the problem. It's when you stall out. And if your relationship is not growing, where is it going? It's probably one thing again for me is that I've learned that it's like the more rather than seeing as arguments is kind of like, especially when you first start dating some rather than seeing a deem as arguments, it's, it's kind of seen as, you know, learning. So every time mm-hmm. like I've been with people who says we argue quite often, I kind of would say, well, rather than arguing, it's more like just learning because the more you mm-hmm. can kind of, as you said, get these things, these we're all going to have disagreements. So if you can kind of learn from each other and learn about, you know, well, she disagrees this way, he disagrees, then you can learn, learn, learn. Whereas mm-hmm. I think for me personally, years ago, I was always trying to be this Mr. Perfect and try not to row and let things brush under the table. Mm-hmm. And then 12 months later, then you have a massive big argument. Whereas now I look at all these small little tips and use them as learning to learn about that, mm-hmm. as you said, my person and grow as, as a couple. Mm-hmm. 100%. You, when you figure out your attachment style, and you're like, okay, I know I'm getting defensive. I know I'm getting anxious. And then you can learn from that. What would be your books that you, any good books you'd recommend for that stuff? Um, I've mentioned The Honeymoon Effect. It's very, very good. I mean, those sort of things are real personal development. Like the chimp paradox is really, really good for your personal development and not just acting out of anger, not acting from the chimp mind, you know, that sort of thing. Um, oh, um, the new earth. I, I loved it. You know, it just was a talk. That was one of the real game changers for me. Um, things like the alchemist, things like this, that just bring you to a better sort of version of yourself so that you can show up like that. Um, 
any women out there who are struggling with um, self-belief, uh, Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, is a must-have, absolute must-have. Um, and then another book around sex and intimacy is Come As You Are. It's very, very good. It's um, really scientific, really good, really good uh, research-based book. Um, yeah. But arguments, conflict, you know, that's a real self-development journey, real self-development journey. If you are screaming and slamming doors and doing all that, you're going to have to look at yourself. You really have to look at yourself. If you go to anger every time that there's the tiniest wee thing, you really have to figure that out. I think um, I think so much people, like cause when I, when I tra- work with my clients, like, we work quite close, not just about weight loss, fat loss. So, we, you know, we talk, we get quite, you know, friend, not friendly, but personal and stuff. And I suppose the biggest thing that I've picked up through the years is like a lot of like people will have little small tips and then they will kind of attach that to like, oh, we're not working, we're not compatible. And, you know, Sally down the road doesn't argue with her boyfriend and they have a perfect life and we always have little tips here and there. And I just think like, I know, I know how to deal with it, but mm-hmm. a lot of people see them little tips as, you know, we're not compatible, we're always arguing, we always disagree. What would you say to that? Yeah, that, that, that's codependency. When you're arguing about little things all the time, your person is allowed to be their person, that person. You know, if you're arguing all the time because your person is, oh, I don't know, arguing with other people or losing his temper or doing anything, they're showing you exactly who they are. Your only job is to see the person that's standing in front of you. Is this person someone you want to be with? that they crack up about this, that they freak out about that. They're showing you exactly who they are. Believe them. Believe them. It's not your job to change them. If they want to change and they want to grow, you can be there on the journey if you choose to. But if your person's showing you who they are, that's who they are. That's who they are. I think for me, values is probably a big one. Like Dr. John Martini is big on like values. I think like, like a lot of people say, oh, you have to have stuff in common. But for me, it's probably like values. We all have values. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. if you can have your values that go in a certain way and, and you can make your values, you know, work with your partners, I think that's quite healthy. So so if everybody did their core values, so we should probably have maybe six or seven core values and your person does their core values, there should be probably three or four of those core values that overlap. And that's where you build your relationship. That's where you build your mission statement on those core values. So do we want to have children or not? Do we want to, um, is health and nutrition important to us? Is a healthy lifestyle important to us? You know, um, is travel important to us? What are your core values? And that's how you build your relationship on those. But if you're with someone and your core values are, while it's, you, you can be as attracted to them as you want and you can want to have sex with them as much as you want and you can, no problem at all but it's not where you build a relationship <coughs> sorry it's yeah. you build a relationship I was just going to say that like if, if, if you've got someone who like if I look back at like just say past partners not that it's not that we weren't good for each other just that our values were just completely different paths like just they were just completely off and again we might have been attracted to each other we might have all the rest but back in their stage their life and my stage 
our values were so far apart that we just we just do we, we did where we didn't stay together because of it so i think like for me what i've learned is like with partners now is it's so important like to to understand your values because if your values are you know as you say in line and correspond then you can that's where you build but mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of people will probably say oh we like pizza and we like football so we're a perfect match and i think mm-hmm. for me like i don't know whether it's just from what i do but if more people could understand like values look at like the difference between values and stuff in common if you can have like your values in line with someone else it's like that's where the magic happens yeah those are just hobbies football and pizza they're just hobbies and I actually encourage people to have different hobbies because then you're bringing something to the relationship. Maybe you're a cyclist. Maybe you like a certain TV program. Maybe you like different books than your person. Awesome. Then you can tell your person all about this book that you read. Or you can say to your person, oh, when you write cycling, what happened? And da, 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 or a TV program. Then you're actually bringing something to the relationship if you have different hobbies. But your core values is how you build a relationship. You need to find out if the person's going to be monogamous. Are they going to be faithful? Are they going, is that a thing for them? Do they see themselves in a long-term relationship for their whole life? Or do they see themselves only in sort of like three-year relationships? These things are the really important things. How soon would you say, just say you start dating someone, like how soon would you like talk about that kind of stuff? Would you recommend? Out the get-go. Out the gate. Yeah. Absolutely. Out the gate. What's the point in being with someone if they don't give a shit about this sort of stuff? Yeah. If it's your gig, it's your gig. If this is your stuff, you need to be with someone who appreciates it at least. They don't have to be another life coach, but they can at least appreciate and have interest in it. But if you turn up and you start talking about love languages and attachment styles and core values, and they're all like, oh, that's a load of rubbish. That's not your person. That's uh, that's so it's again something that I've adapted to. Like I, I find that if I was to on first dates for me, like I don't really like going for bars and dinners or first dates. It's just not me. I like like going for walks, just pair of shorts, walk along the coast front, have a like 20 minute talk and then kind of go from there. And for me, like I suppose, as you said there, like I'll if I'm dating someone, like I'll probably go to full whack like this because there's no point like being with someone for six months and then they get freaked out was when I go on dates, like not that I'm full on, but as you says, I'll, I'm not afraid to kind of mm-hmm. let it open and just talk. What, what mm-hmm. be me? I guess it'd be like it would be like you saying, you know, I mean, fitness, nutrition, and someone saying, yeah, that's a load of rubbish. You can't be with someone who thinks that's a load of rubbish. That's ridiculous. And um, there's two things. As I said, be hundred percent yourself at the get go, at the get go, and also do not fall in love with the potential of what someone could be. Women do this all the time. They fall in love with the romantic version they've made up of the person could be on every other Tuesday for 20 minutes. Or what the person could be when they get their act together. What the person could be when they start to control their temper. What the person could be. Fall in love with the person right in front of you. Not the potential what they can, could be someday because that someday may never come and you could be married with three youngsters by that stage that's a good point so much um so many people I suppose will suppose like these people are staying in a job because they're in a job for 20 years 
is that a big thing that people will stay with people just because they've been together for 10 years? What we need to look at is say, um, someone had me on the radio the other day about J-Lo and Ben Affleck are getting back together. But what we need to say is, okay, that 10 years, was that great? What did we like about that 10 years? Where did we show up well for each other in that 10 years? Then we say, okay, let's not end, but let's say, let's draw a line in the sand and say, right, how do we want the next 10 years to look? doesn't have to be a different person, but it can be a different relationship. Oh, yeah. That's quite good, isn't it? That's really good. And most of us are going to have at least three, four long-term committed relationships. But if we can have that with the same person, sure, that'd be awesome. That's good, isn't it? So, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. So, Nigel and I, our relationship in our 20s doesn't look anything like our relationship looks now in our 40s. It's totally different. And that is emotional intelligence. So that probably my next question is probably, again, it comes down to kind of, you know, if you are, how do you get, as you're saying, you just say you're, you know, 40, 50, you've got three or four kids. How do you then get out of that mindset that, you know, because I know a lot of couples I do are like, well, everything they kind of do, they have to go through their partners. Like it's, it's a real joint thing. How can someone then kind of break away that and kind of, realize that they are their own person and they, you know, are in control of their own lives. Excuse me. I was codependent for 25 years. So if Nigel was in good form, I was in good form. If Nigel was upset about something, I was upset about something. And my whole, I'm an extrovert, um, but still within that, my whole, I was only complete when I was around him. I was only, um, it was, we were joined at the hip and we loved it because both it's time, it's time. And only after 25 years of being together, we figured out, no, this is not, this is not healthy. This is not healthy. So we grew, we developed and we did our own personal work. And then we show up for each other now as whole human beings showing up for this relationship. Totally, totally healthy, much better. So how did how do you transition that then? How do you and how do you know like that that? It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. <laughs> it wasn't easy. Well, we went to a coach. We went to a coach, and then I just did a whole bunch of um, inner work, inner child work. Find out what my woundedness was. Find out why. I mean, we were brought up. I was brought up with you know, pretty woman and Jerry Maguire. You know, I will complete you. You know, you're broken, and you need to find someone else who's going to, you know. Fill, fill you up, make you whole, my other half. And then I just educated myself and educated myself. It's not about finding your other half. It's about two whole people building a relationship. Or like a business, isn't it? Like if you, if you have two business partners, you know, you have to be able to have different aspects to build a good business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And appreciating each other for those differences and polarity. Yeah. That's, it's, I'm not sure whether it probably is a generation thing, isn't it? But I know a lot of people I deal with too are in the same as that, is that they'll have kids and they'll have the partner and that's all they know is that they're joined to the hip. And my mum and dad were the same, they were joined to the hip. And I suppose looking back now, it's even for me, it's, do you think it's getting better as a generation or is it just how do you well, feel? I like to hope that you're talking about all the things and I'm talking about all the things and Sinead Hague's talking about it, but then I watch Love Island 
And I'm like, <laughs> no, it's not getting any better. Codependency? Oh my days. That's probably that was uh, that was another question that came up as well. Is your view, your thing on Love Island, like the whole scenario? It's probably not good for it's probably not good for you know young couples or people, is it? Because uh-uh. There's no, well, I can only bear about 10 minutes, but my big girl watches it. Um, she likes to watch it for the, the study of the human behavior sort of thing of it. Um, but she also laughs at it and, you know, uh, but I can only do about 10 minutes because I'm just like, they all need a life coach. Every single one of them needs a life coach. Someone actually tagged me and said, Lisa, you have to get in here. I was like, oh my days. Oh, right. Well, I'll just be on one of those loungers and they can come over and talk to me if they want to. <laughs> but their emotional intelligence is zero. In my opinion. Um, in my opinion. And then for the 10 minutes I've watched, there's lots of people on there who need a life coach. It just definitely sets a bad image of how relationships are meant to be run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, um, I haven't watched it. Has there been only 10 minutes here and there has there been any healthy conflict has there been any example of how to have a disagreement in a healthy way no definitely not you know as far as young people will see this and even like not even young people probably people are 20 30 will see this and they know they'll look up to that and they'll say you know whatever like um i still coach people who are in the toxic cycle you know what a toxic cycle is? No. So toxic cycle is big argument, big blow up. Then sorry, sorry, sorry. This would be sort of narcissistic behavior and in the gaslighting and that sort of thing. So big, huge blow up, big argument, slamming doors. There's no need to ever be getting on like that. And um, da, 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 da. then so sorry, so sorry. You're my world. You're my everything. And then, and, and, and then there's the honeymoon periods where it's everybody's in love and it's all gorgeous. It's all lovely. And then there's a big blow up again. And then there's the sorry and the sorry. And I worry that young people are being, I like to think of myself as being a young person. Um, people are being told, are being sold um, toxic cycle rather than a relationship. So a toxic cycle goes round and round and round and someone has to break the toxic cycle to stop. Someone has to break that circle. Relationships are ups and downs. Relationships are yes. like business. They flow. You have good days. You have bad days. You're like, oh, I love that yesterday. Let's try and do that again. And you're like, oh, we're not really feeling it today. You know, that was a bit. Mm-mm. That's what a relationship's growing, developing little ups and hopefully more ups than downs. That's what relationships should be. Showing up for each other, connected with each other, looking after your sex life, all those things. And that you cannot do that when you're having these huge, big blow ups. And you just spend your whole time trying to get better again. And then there's another big blow up. That's not relationships should look like. No, and it's, that's probably something that I probably learned at that honeymoon period for me since my self-development. What I've learned is that like since I've learned this, I've like I've never had the honeymoon period since because, you know, you shouldn't just be you shouldn't feel a certain way just for like two months in a cup and that's what happens is people will start dating people and they say oh the honeymoon period is gone now and then it's like they've just pushed such a label on the relationship like and that's what they're doing they're giving themselves a label that right we've gone past four months now we can't be that happy again because of the honeymoon period like mm-hmm. where did where did that even come from the honeymoon period 
I have no idea where it came from. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but it also, I mean, it is lust chemicals. At the start of your relationship, your body releases lust chemicals because you want to be with the person. You want to rip their clothes off. You want to do all that there. And you have to just recognize, ah, these are lust chemicals. This, These chemicals will fade. But it's about putting in other practices and getting that dopamine hit from your person whenever they speak your love language getting that dopamine hit from your person whenever um, they bring you your pack, your favorite packet of crisps from the shop, that sort of thing, that sort of thing. And we need to recognize that relationships are controlled a lot by hormones, chemicals. They are controlled a lot by that sort of thing. You know, also people like, like the toxic cycle. People have become addicted to the toxic cycle because what does it give them? It gives them that honeymoon period again. That's very true. That's true. And I guess just to kind of finish off things then, like when we look at, you know, breakups and that stuff, so let's say someone, you know, his partners broke up, broke up with someone because they're not good enough or the boyfriends left them because they're on some way. How would you then, like, how can that, that female then just have, get herself back on track and have self for herself and not really care what he thinks? Well, I tell you what, if someone broke up with me because I put on weight, I would be thanking the universe for dodging that bullet that's what i'd be doing i'd be thanking the universe and saying this is not a rejection it is a redirection to something greater is that something you deal with often then with would you have would you deal with much people like that or not really like with breakups and well my people do break up that's that's going to be normal that's going to be normal and what we do is when, when we have a breakup we journal into what was really good what did yes. we really like about that relationship? What was really, really good about that relationship? So what would I want in my next relationship? I would want all that. Then you have to journal in to what wasn't good. It was a toxic cycle or you didn't have the same values, whatever it was. You don't journal into both of those. So you know what you want your next relationship to look like. Makes a lot there's of sense. No, there's no feeling. Relationships end. They don't feel. They just end. Sometimes relationships end. They don't feel. I think a big saying, a big saying that I heard off my life coach was um, like what you focus on will grow. And I suppose just what you said there, if you can focus on all the good stuff, well, then you're not really going to get so caught up on all the bad stuff, isn't it? Yeah. And this is for breakups. So if you've broken up, we don't want to romanticize. So we need to put down what the bad stuff was as well. Mm. But we take the learning. You take the learning. It's not a failure. Just end it. And let's take all that learning about ourselves because we learn the most about ourselves when we're in relationship. That's, that's true. Um, I suppose that's before we finish because that's probably one thing is that I've learned is that even though like everything happens for a reason, like a breakup that happens now, you know, it's probably going to lead to your partner now. So it's like, it's mm -hmm. not, but breakup isn't a bad thing. It's just kind of that, it's a step to what's ahead of you, isn't it? Mm -hmm. and we need to grieve we need to grieve and that's another thing we're not taught how to grieve so you need to go through all your stages of grief just like you would for a family member who passes a relationship has ended so you need to grieve you need to grieve for it what was your what were your quick tips on grieving then five stages anger disbelief bargaining sadness acceptance and you have to feel all the feels you have to feel all those feels and all of them can come within five minutes of each other 
or you can move through each stage quite naturally. Either or. But we have to learn how to grieve. That's amazing. And I guess then just um, what um, any tips you'd have for anyone listening to this about any relationships or how to be a healthy relationship? Any tips from you? Find out what your love language is. Find out what your attachment style is. They're both free tests online. Easy peasy. And find out what your core values are. Show up. Straight out the gate. Your absolute 100% self. And don't fall in love with the potential of who they could be. Fall in love with the person standing right in front of you. So good. Where can people find you, Lisa, if people want to get in contact with you? So it's relationship.coaching.ni on Instagram. It's probably the best way to find me. Probably the best way to find me. I um, You can DM me on there. Um, and I the page is um, quite active on there. I also have a Facebook group that there's a little charge just come there. So I'm very active on there. I do lives, two and three lives a week on there. I do meditations on there. I have questions and answers days on there. So there's a wee 16 pound charge for the month to be on there. But that's like my little tribe. That's like my little tribe on there. And then I'm a couples coach. So um, if you think you're interested in couples coaching, I'm quite busy at the minute, but um, we'll definitely get you sorted out maybe in September time or something like that. That's amazing. Thanks for coming on. Like it was, um, that was good. I learned a lot there, even for me. Like, so that was good to. You're very hey, welcome. It's good to hear a different voice. <laughs> Have to talk uh, about all the things. Exactly. But that was good. Hopefully, we'll chat to you very soon again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, that was, that was, um, that was really good.